Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A science story, huh? These NYU scientists, they felt And I just thought, well, it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. New York tickets are on sale now for Disasters, August 24th at the Bowery Poetry Club. This week's story is from Erica Forensic. It was recorded in July 2015 at Oberon in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'll never forget... uh the day my father got the grant that would take him out of my life for a decade. I was 11 years old, and I was playing behind the junior high school, uh, hanging out with bad 14-year-old bad boy, Elliot Delaney, flirting my brains out. And my father pulls up in his rusted-out Dodge Dart and says, get in. We're going for ice cream. So. so that was enough of a draw for me to go there. So I go there, and I get in this car, and I push aside all these jars of, like, butterflies and caterpillars and centipedes, and the worst jars were the ones that I couldn't see what was in there. And I pushed those aside, and I sat down. So he takes me to the dairy barn, which was my favorite place in the world. And he sits me down and he says, get whatever you want. And my 11-year-old heart just sank because I knew something bad had happened if I could have whatever I wanted. But it didn't stop me from ordering a double banana boat with extra caramel sauce and marshmallows. So he said, I got the grant. He said, I got the grant... I'm going to be gone for a year, and I know you're just 11, and a year to an 11-year-old is, is forever, but before you know it, I'll be home, I'll be home again. And um, so I started crying and stuff. But, so my father was an evolutionary biologist, and he had gotten a grant that would, for, for his, to, try to, to have him try to prove his theory that certain animals mated for life. And there are over 100 animals on the list, everything from uh, gibbons, bald eagles, swans, to this little worm that lives in your guts, disgusting, called Schistosoma mansoni. And so he went off on his grant for a year, which turned into two years, which turned into three years. And around by year four... My mother left him. I'm not sure he noticed. He was in Sumatra studying the gibbons. So, even, but, but after by year five, 
the money was gone, but he was obsessed. And he only really came home around year 10. He was 61 years old, and he wanted to get to know his daughter again. And I was kind of like, I'm 21, talk to the hand. Uh, at the same time, of course, I was like, you know, dying to see my father. So my way of, of being close to my dad was introducing him to my latest loser boyfriend. So I introduced him to this guy, Reggie, and uh, Reggie was sang in a band, and he played the drums too, and he sold drugs for a living, and I was like rationalizing that that was a phase, and um, it's not a big deal, Dad. <laughs> and uh, and he, dad, my dad said, well, I have some news for you. I've been dating Marie Dandrick. I'm like, Marie Dandrick, how do I know that? He's, and then I realized that was, my, that was our Sunday school teacher. And I was like, and she always impressed me as someone who wanted to be perceived as liking children, but friggin' hated them, you know? And so I'm like, so you're dating? He's like, well, yeah, we're dating. Actually, we're married. And I'm like, so that was kind of this, you know, kind of this sucker punch thing. So a few years went by, I was in my mid-twenties, and I was in my shitty little Cambridge apartment, a studio, which was so small that I could wash my hair and do my dishes from the bed. <laughs> and the air conditioning was, had just died, and I was sweating to death, and, and my father called, and he was like, Erica, oh, my life is falling apart. This theory's falling apart. Do you realize... I thought the barn swallows would, would be the ones, but do you know that 30% of their offspring were sired by a non-resident male? Did you know that? I was like, no, Dad, I didn't know that. And then and he, and he goes on and he says, I thought the damselfly was going to be my big win. Do you realize the male damselfly has a scoop at the, at the end of its genitals to remove the sperm of the previous male? Did you realize that? I said, no, Dad. I didn't realize it. I said, what about that worm thing? The female opportunistically seeks out a higher-ranked male. I couldn't even watch. I said, what about the turtle doves? What about the swans? He's like, they wait till their mates asleep. It doesn't take long. So a few years pass. I introduce him to my um, unemployed, alcoholic, gambling-addicted boyfriend, Danny, who has a really great smile. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, he's so great. So anyway, Dan, Danny runs off to a meeting, and, um, and my dad said, you know, I've got something to tell you. Uh, Marie, Marie's been acting strange for quite some time. She's been forgetting things. Uh, she's left, put shoes in the freezer, forks in the garage. She's got Alzheimer's, and it's not the slow-moving kind. He said, you really should visit more often. So Marie died the week I lost my job, 
the week my lease was up, and I thought, why not give Boston a rest? You know, I thought, maybe it's time. And I already had too many cats, and my latest relationship was a disaster, so I moved to upstate New York just to be by my dad. And um, so I went to see him that first night, and uh, he said, he's standing at the top of the stairs, and he... And, He's losing his sight by now. He's got the thick glasses, touch of Parkinson's, and he said, come on downstairs. I got something to show you. So you have to understand our basement. It's like this warren of rooms, each more frightening than the next. So, so he takes me to the Wayback Lab that I've been frightened of my whole life. But anyway, so he takes me all the way down there. And... Um, and there's these cages of mice, and they're running around, running around like a hundred mice. I'm like, yeah, mice, what, Dad? He's like, look a little closer. So I did. I looked closer, and, um, and the little asses were painted with this neon colors. <laughs> Yellow and orange and green. I'm like, Dad, you painted them. <laughs> He's like... Paramyscus californicus, California mice, found only in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada. Four years, monogamous, had their DNA tested. And I sat down on this stool that made the same screech it had for the 38 years I'd been alive, and I said, Dad, is anyone paying attention to this anymore? He said, I'm paying attention to it. So, unfortunately, soon after that, I had to put my dad in a nursing home. His vision had gotten worse. He'd had some bad falls. He only went there because I swore I would take care of the mice, and I would bring him his PC and bump up the font so he could continue his research. And so I was there, and each time I went, I would see this guy, and he would... He was obviously visiting his mother, and he was very handsome, and he would smile at me, so I started to dress a little better, <laughs> and, uh, and so his name was Nick, and we started having lunch together, and um, we would laugh until we cried about how impossible it was to make our parents' life what we wanted it to be, um, and so... A few days before my dad died, he, he, we were, I was sitting holding his hand, and he said, Erica, I have to tell you something. There's this nurse. Her name is Susan, and I think she's beautiful. I said, okay. He said, she has so many questions about the mice. <laughs> Such a curious mind. It's a rare thing. I said, I know, Dad. He said, she is beautiful as I think she is. Now, Susan was this woman. She was in her 50s. She kind of looked like anybody. And I said, Dad, she's gorgeous. He said, I knew it. So my dad died in his sleep. He died very early in the morning. Um, no pain. And I, afterwards, I... 
was sitting in my car and trying to picture the world without my father in it for several hours. And I called Nick, and he said, come on, I'll just come over. We'll have coffee at your dad's house, you know. I said, okay. So we went there, and he came over, and um, he said, I want to see the mice. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So I took him down, 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 you know. And the mice were running around with their little neon asses, you know, clueless that their master had passed, you know. And Nick said, this is amazing. You realize this is amazing. I said, really? He said, yeah. 25 years your dad has been searching. He did it. I said, yeah, I guess he did it. And so Nick hugged me, and it was just like sinking into this warm bath, you know. And, um, and Nick said, maybe someday, maybe, maybe, you'll tell me your favorite color. Thank you. That was Erica Forensic. Erica is an award-winning novelist, screenwriter, and essayist, and is the author of the comic novel Cracks in the Foundation and the best-selling collection of essays Hot, Naked, and Awake, Notes from the Burning Edge of Menopause. Her newest collection of essays, A Natural History of Boys, is due out in November of this year. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Bear, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Oberon for hosting the show and to Paint Colors for making everything more clear. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>